the antidote. 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 You're listening to the antidote with Dave Hawkins. With Christian music that doesn't suck. And this is The Antidote with Dave Hawkins. I always find it interesting how many more listeners of The Antidote actually come from the United States compared to Canada. So maybe I should explain to our American listeners that, yes, here in the Great White North, we do love metal. Even metal styles that might be considered more extreme. So I thought it was time to pull in some Canadian metal artists who also happen to be Christian. At the half-hour point, we go to the town of Quenell, British Columbia, home of death metalers Cruentis. But first, I keep this a little bit closer to home here in Ontario, as we pull in the small Ontario town band Outrage AD. Martin, Nick, and Nick of Outrage AD join the antidote. Thanks for coming for a talk, guys. Thank you. Thanks for having us. Nick and Nick, do you guys ever mix each other up? All the time, all the time. So there's Nick with a K and Nick with a C. <laughs> and that's how you actually announce each other. This is Nick K, this is Nick C. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> actually, Nicholas, but uh, with uh, one with an H, one without the H. So yeah, we just differentiate the Nick like that. Your band has been described as pioneers of Christian death metal. We're talking about the early 90s. Were there other Christian artists doing this kind of thing back then? Mortification. Mortification, Believer, was a big influence on us. Seventh Um, Angel? Seventh Angel for you, yeah. Yep. Yeah. But yeah, because the the band started probably like 90 or 91. Yeah, the band started and it was just for fun. And we were just playing in the basement to impress the three girls that live in my village. (laughs) <laughs> two of them were my cousins so the other one was obviously my girlfriend and i just started making music because i i, I didn't want to play other people's music i wanted to do my own so i started making some music and one of my friends from high school uh he, he wrote a lot of poetry and he just decided hey oh let's put that on that song and then nick with a k heard that we were without a drummer because the drummer we had had to move uh, somewhere so he came down and he he went to the same high school as my girlfriend so he came down and we started jamming and then one day he said hey why don't we turn this into a christian band and i'm like great you know we all went to church every sunday and we were all christians and instead of having the blood and guts he said that every other band we were listening to did he said hey why not have just something different uh, a bit more positive and that pertained to a lot of people out there. So we had a lot of songs that had kind of meaningless vocals, and then Nick started writing Christian-based songs, and they fit really well. I don't think we ever thought twice about it. We just kept on going and kept writing, and everything was uh, Christian-themed. And the fun thing is that because we went to two different high schools, we had that many more kids that would come to our shows, and they never thought anything bad about it being Christian and the fact that you know that you know when we did the reunion they were still singing the lyrics and so it is pretty cool. (laughs) 
Well, that was something I was curious about, because, of course, you'd mentioned that Outrage AD came from small-town Ontario. Death metal, I mean, it couldn't have been too common there. But your music and the message were accepted? Oh, yeah, but the fun thing about death metal is that we weren't really... We didn't think we could sing very well, so doing the death metal thing was, to us, easier. And I'm a huge Sacrifice fan, so I like that more screamish high pitch and nick really liked the death metal so our voices kind of like blend in well because it wasn't the same you, you could tell the difference when i'm singing versus when he's singing so we thought it meshed well and i mean later on we made bands that we had cleaner vocals and we were a bit more open with the way our voices sound because we always wanted to do it ourselves and the more people we had in a band it's like you know you have a more issues, especially when you live in a small town. So yeah, he can't make it because he lives an hour away. He can't make it and this and that. So by just being like a three-piece is very easy. And then we just relied on ourselves to, to do the vocals. You guys, even with the Christian message, you couldn't have been playing churches. I mean, <laughs> they would have stoned the band. Well, back in the day, that was the thing is you could rent halls and you know, little areas that can host 300, 400 people, and we would pack it. My high school was, uh, I don't know, almost 2,000 students, and Nick's high school was like, what? Just 200. 200, but... uh, We were both Catholic uh, kind of high schools, so all the kids would appreciate the message. Oh, and we always had themes. You know, one time we baptized the crowd. (laughs) One time we would have somebody recreating the crucifixions. We always had fun. I mean... Almost everybody kind of had a part in there. We always have, you know, our friends would come down and they would help with the lights or they would help with the sound or they would, oh, I'll do this, I'll do that. So it was kind of like just a gathering and it was really fun. We were 14. Art was 14 on bass. Mart was uh, 15. 15. I was 16. I was the only one with a driver's license. The fact that we were teenagers, for the fact that the uh, the voice, we tried to do a few like grungy songs because the grunge was getting bigger at that point, and uh, you, you know you're developing, so you have all this weird voice. So we said, "We'll wait till we're uh, finished growing to do the clean stuff, but we'll do the uh, the Chris Barnes stuff for now."
going to do a really lame segue because I was talking about stoning, but being stoned is part of one of your songs, Unreal Trip, which gets into substance abuse. <laughs> but that's an anti. <laughs> that's the thing. I've, I've actually never did a drug in my life, and I don't think Nick No, either. No, not, uh, not illegal. Uh, my own, my own. <laughs> which uh, by now will won't be something really big next year when that becomes legal anyways yeah. but we decide not to uh, to go that way we yeah. were actually quite straight edge back then very uh, we enjoy a nice uh, uh, beverage now but uh, but back then we didn't do like anything at all it just uh, but i think that was the biggest bond because back then if you didn't drink or do drugs it was kind of like yeah you're an outcast and me and nick really bonded over the fact that we like pepsi we freaking love <laughs> pepsi it's like the Melvins. And we really bonded over the fact that because there's no peer pressure, if your friend doesn't do it, you don't do it. And you're fine with that. And it was like, oh, my God. So we used to talk every night, hang out every other night and play Frisbee till five in the morning and just do, you know, really immature but legal stuff. <laughs> <laughs> it seems like with the song that you were trying to take on the role of a teacher instructing people on what not to do. Yes. Yeah. Back then, it was more uh, direct. You know how even like the the whole church system went from many years ago being very don't do this, don't do that, and we were obviously brought up that way in a sense, and it became a bit more liberal now. So you don't have to dictate so much, which is why some of the last few songs, especially the ones on the album, which were in a later date, they're not so much um, direct teenager kind of like don't do this i brought up the point of death and thrash not being a part of the christian music scene in the early 90s was that christian message really the main reason for the music of the band or was that just coincidental i think it came later on but the thing is that once we decided to play on that theme we were really all in i, I we were like geez this is like the best thing that we could ever do with it because then you stand out a little more. And for us, it was our values. It was like, well, this is this is the right way to go. But when we got into the Christian writing, we, we actually thought a lot more of what we were saying. And I think that uh, when uh, Nick, without the K, wrote New Blood, he really took a theme and made this like great song about a new Christian thing that we never explored. And, and it, it's Thank really, you. yeah, freaking love that song. We're here talking about New Blood, I mean, which is a great title for the release, but really, you guys could have called it Old Blood. I mean, it's been 25 years. 25, yeah, 26 now. Why was it that it took you guys so long to put this out as an official release? <laughs> funny, funny story. So, I think that's the key question of the whole interview. It's because of Nick without the K there. We had, I don't know, five projects. One was uh, me and Nick with the K. We had five things. So we had a acoustic duo. We had a alternative three-piece. We had Outrage. We had a French-Canadian band. But I was reviving our French-Canadian band because I lived in the Middle East for eight years, and I was missing my, my French. So in order for me to like get back in my groove, I started writing again, for my French band, and then Nick and Nick were talking, 
And Nick was saying, oh, yeah, we should, like, revive this French thing. And then Nick says, no, you should revive Outrage. So it's really because uh, of him saying, you should probably revive that stuff. Because, to be honest, I haven't thought of Outrage in, in a long time as a relevant thing. But as you go back in history, we are one of the first to actually be doing that as a death metal act. And it was, you know, it's, it's humbling now. 25 years later but back then we didn't think anything of it we, we weren't doing it to be the first that's for sure i think coming from the outside of this band and i got to know these guys really later on um outrage was really something that i would see as being first and foremost very genuine and uh, being a big fan of mortification and understanding where the first wave of christian death metal came from I think there was something with Outrage that was just like a pure gem, especially as you mentioned earlier, uh, coming from a small town in Canada, like who would expect that? And I think that was first and foremost, like for me, something to say, like you guys like have something that maybe you are not realizing and you have great songs, you have a great theme, you have, you know, everything there. Why not revive that? And from there, it's uh, Nick with a K that, uh, talked about it and convinced uh, Martin to just just revive it. Before we get through with this day, we may uncover sins that even the devil would be ashamed of. We'll be right back. 
the song New Blood from Outrage AD. Coming up next, we hear from the band talking about their lyrics and how the original recordings were done. Nick with a K, I'm going to center you out for a minute. One of your emails that you sent to me, you sounded almost apologetic about the songs, telling me that you guys were just kids when they were recorded. Why apologize for them? Yeah, yeah. About the lyrics, yes. It's childish lyrics, but uh, well, we're proud of what that was back then, and we're still proud. But you just say, yeah, sorry. Sometimes people ask for the lyrics, and we'll say, mm, I'm not sure. Like, you know, I'll send you uh, Dreams Unto Reality and Death Row, because I thought those two were pretty much, uh, before New Blood, the, the best written song, because they were near the end, and we were becoming mature, and, you know, uh, so maybe going on 18 or something like that. Lyric-wise, mostly. Yeah, it was lyric-wise. The, the music itself is uh, good. And that's what you would revamp, say, if you were going to start Outrage AD from scratch? Yeah, yeah, because we uh, still listen to the the old-school uh, Death Thrash. Uh, we love that old-school sound because as much as I like death metal, I find it really hard to get into the newer bands, which are so technical, fast, crazy, so well produced that is overproduced and and so you can listen to this album the outreach uh, new blood and you can see there's nothing perfect about it it's fine you know it's it's raw it's normal so we're happy with that yeah we wanted it to sound like back in the day so when we started this there was only cassettes there was no cds and we always thought man if we had started this and cds were available it'd be a totally different story that's the reality of today is you can record an album in your house now but back in the day it wasn't possible so i mean we had tapes and back then fanzines were the big thing and we sold tapes in germany and Mexico. australia we we had a little map of all the places that would buy our tapes and i mean seriously those tapes were terrible <laughs> terrible <laughs> i mean seriously they were just like oh my god what is this noise but yeah i'm very happy with the sound of the album Something that is old on New Blood, and it comes out on some of the songs like Death Crow, is that you bring in sound bites from an old horror movie. Okay, let me explain this. This is <laughs> this is yeah. this is something I've been wanting for uh, for 25 years. When we were recording, I think the second demo back in the day, uh, Last Exorcist still from White Zombie came out, and uh, so we would record the songs. You know, we'd do this, and but we'd always listen to the album. And uh, having a fascination with horror movies and loving the sample on that, I said, one day I want one like that. And so you go and, and do a, a full circle of getting where White Zombie got their name from, the movie White Zombie, with Bela Lugosi, which has an amazing voice, right, for this. All the samples all throughout for that same movie, White Zombie, which is a, which is a really cool movie. <laughs> you got to be honest. That's a terrible movie. But the sound bites are <laughs> But awesome. the sound bites are incredible. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Ghosty's voice, man. Oh, my God. His voice is so haunting. Oh, jeez. Yeah. I can't imagine that Outrage AD is going to stay the same. Now that you're back, now that you've signed to Nasrul Recordings, what's the plan for the future of the band? Well, we have a few songs left from some of our first two demos that are still pertinent, and uh, we just didn't feel like putting them on this year. So we have some uh, stuff that we still find is great songs nowadays. Um, so probably two, three of those going on the uh, the next uh, recording. But also now it's going to be more 
newer stuff. So we're going to try and blend it all together. And then by the time we, if we pull out a third one, this would be all fresh at that point. Guys, thanks for coming for this talk with The Antidote. And best of luck with the music of Outrage AD. Thank you for having us. Thank you. Amen. We all appreciate the uh, music out there. Thanks for your support. Oh, my darling. What have they done to you? This is Martin, Nick, and Nick from Outrage AD, and you are listening to Idiot You Don't.
From the old horror movie fans, Outrage AD, that was Death Crow, along with a little bit of help from Bella Lugosi. Now it's time to meet another band who's also on the label, Nosro Recordings. Here comes my conversation with Cruentus. Tyler and Jess front British Columbia's Cruentus. Thanks for coming to The Antidote, guys. Welcome. Thanks for having us. Yeah, thanks for having us. I went for a look on the net and found that the band name Cruentus comes from Latin, and it roughly translates as full of blood. How does the name represent the band? Well, it's basically got a little bit of a double meaning. Um, As you know, we're a Christian band, so the primary meaning is uh, it just represents all of us as Christians, staying in the blood of Christ. Um, At the same time, we're also, uh, I believe we're fighting in a battle, so we'd like stained warriors stained with the blood of our enemies as well. That's kind of where it came from. It's quite rare for a Canadian band to bring Christian faith into their music. There's no question that Crentus does that. Is it important for you to share your faith? Absolutely. I'd, uh, I'd say that the inspiration for our, our music is very much based on our faith. I know for myself personally, the inspiration for all my writing, I think, I owe to God directly for giving us, well, me specifically, the abilities and talents to be able to create. I always feel the need to create, and that stems from my faith specifically. And for me personally, it comes out in the form of death metal. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, admit. You go to church and you tell everybody that you do Christian death metal and they look at you as if you've got horns growing from your head? <laughs> <laughs> actually, surprisingly not. Um, <laughs> but there was, there was one time actually where we had, uh, we had this church function. We were outside on the field outside the church and there's a little stage set up and we had live music playing you know, to attract a bit of a crowd. And uh, near the end of the day, we just asked, like, hey, can we just like 
play our own stuff. And they were like, yeah, sure, go ahead. So we just played a few of our death metal songs. And uh, yeah, a lot of people actually enjoyed it, surprisingly. I love that. <laughs> yeah. You know, there's another odd point about Krandus also. Coming from Quinell, BC, I would have expected a guitar strumming folk band to come from there, not melodic <laughs> death metal. So seriously, does your style make you the town oddity? I'd say so. Surprisingly, there is quite a large metal community up here. I think everywhere you go, you find people who are interested in metal, but it's definitely not the genre of choice around these parts. That would be country. Yeah, I've heard of that. Twanging guitar stuff, (laughs) all pass. (laughs) Okay, you've got to give us the roots of Cruentis. How did it all begin? Well, uh, basically, uh, five years ago, seven years ago now, seems like a long time, but... It would have been seven, yeah. I'd been playing um, on my own for quite some time um, with my own projects, and uh, Jess moved to Canada from South Africa. Uh, sure. I mean, I, I didn't have much say in the matter at the time. I was, uh, I was 16 at the time, so I moved with my parents. Um, and uh, my parents had uh, visited before, and they had met Tyler, and they found out that he played... Uh, World of Warcraft, which they confused for a different game that I played. It's so like, ah, oh, you should be friends with this guy. He plays the same games you do. Um, <laughs> turns out he didn't. But then we discovered that we both liked metal. And I happened to play bass, and Tyler played guitar. So we're like, hey, we should we should jam. So Tyler had yeah, a kind of a project going, right? Um, when did you start Destroy the Abomination? Oh, long time ago, probably 10 years ago. Definitely yeah, so was nothing like what Cruantis had. <laughs> no, not really. It was a very, uh, I would say, lo-fi, brutal death metal. As you could probably guess by the name, Destroy the Abomination. Um, <laughs> yeah, so <laughs> then at one stage, we started recording some things, and we decided, you know, we could actually do something with this. So we, we did. We started recording it. We put out a song as Destroy the Abomination, and a little while after that, we decided that uh, we really wanted to play something more, a little more melodic, you know. We decided we'd, we wanted a fresh start, and so we came up with a new name and started recording new stuff. Our influences were different, too. I was, at, at the time, more into mm-hmm. thrash and, uh, and just really heavy death metal, old-school stuff. And uh, Jess, his preference was more towards the the mellow death stuff and the more melodic stuff a little more than mine. So that's how we kind of, I think, meshed our sound out. When you listen to our stuff, you can hear the brutality, but there's also the melodic stuff. So I think it kind of mm-hmm. creates a unique mesh. You know, we listen to a ton of metal when we're <laughs> in the writing process, and it's always kind of changing this way and that. On the new album, um, I'd say there's a lot more broad spectrum of metal genres that kind of influenced its way in there so hard to really even say now what's influencing me these days but i'm fortunate to have a computer job where i can listen to music all day long so (laughs) (laughs) i think with uh with this album uh as far as influences go like i definitely think with alpha and omega we uh 
we did start to find a little bit of our own sound and we still listen to stuff and we obviously still draw inspiration from uh, all across the, the spectrum from different bands but I think we really started to find our, our own sound and really just wrote what the songs wanted, I guess, as opposed to what we were listening to at the time. You'll hear more of the conversation with Kruenis in a moment. For now, here's a first taste of their music. From their Cold Stone release is Path of Anathema.
You brought up the point about your 2016, your debut release, Cold Stone. I mean, really, I guess you could call it an EP since it has seven songs, but I mean, it's three quarters of an hour long. It's a, a full album length. It starts off with a killer track, Path of Anathema, by using that song to lead off the release. Were you trying to make a statement? I mean, to be totally honest, it kind of just worked out that we felt after writing that that song fit for slot, more on a musical point with the intro and the way it breaks into that lead. But uh, I think the album as a whole and a lot of our lyric writing, you'll find that common theme. We write a lot about the perspective of an individual and what it is to be human and what it is to struggle with spiritual battles and and the choices we make of, you know, do we take the, the narrow path or the widened road, right? And that's what makes me curious about this, is because the music scene is tough for any band. But an artist who brings Christianity into their music has an even more difficult time. Has that ever been the situation for Cruentis? Um, there, there definitely is, especially in the, in the middle community. Um, kind of an aversion to Christian themes, just because it's, I suppose, it's seen as... I guess, cool to be evil when it comes to metal, you know? So we're kind of the opposite of that. We basically was like, yes, we're really uncool. Listen to our music, you know? So (laughs) I think uh, (laughs) a lot of times there is a little bit of that, but um, I wouldn't say that's the overwhelming response. Those types of people tend to be kind of on the fringes, I think. Um, Most people just listen to the music for the music's sake, and they won't care about the lyrics so much, I think, if if they're not Christians themselves. Does that make you sad to realize that that's the case about the lyrics being ignored? <laughs> yes and no. I think um, if someone who is not a Christian listens to our music at all, I think that's that's a win in my books because then maybe they'll hear the lyrics at some point, read them, and they might, who knows what seeds are planted and what might happen in the future, you know, if they've heard uh, our message. So that's, uh, I guess, our, our job is done at that point. I just want to add to that. Yeah, like, you know, I can't count how many times people I know personally find out that I'm in a death metal band. And at first they're like, oh, that's interesting. <laughs> you in a death metal band? But uh, when they find out that it's Christian, it, it kind of adds a, I don't know, it's a testimony. I get this feeling that it's people are getting the impression, oh, you know, maybe this Christianity thing isn't just all about dressing fancy and going to church yeah. and it's more real. People can see that we're, you know, we're real people. I mean, we're screaming on these records and uh, just like pouring our hearts out and our thoughts. And I think that it's a good testimony. Personally, I, I haven't seen or met anybody who's listened to our music and who's had a negative view on it because it's Christian. You might get comments and stuff like that online from people, but you know, you're going to get that with any music, regardless. Yeah, it's true. Because I think, um, <clears throat> in my experience, when, when people find out I'm in a, in a death metal band, and then they tell them it's a Christian death metal band, most of them would, uh, their response would be that they didn't even know that that was a thing. They thought it was an oxymoron. You're going to have Christian death metal, you know? So it, it does change their mind about it. And like Tyler said, I think that's kind of a big um, a big goal for us, is change people's minds Firstly, change some Christian people's minds about metal and show them, you know, this comes straight from our hearts too. And it's just as 
valid a type of band for a Christian to be in as uh, a worship band, um, and also to change um, non-Christians' minds about Christianity, and they so they can see we're normal people, we can make good music too, you know. <laughs> <laughs> you guys brought out Coldstone, which was an independent release for your new EP, Alpha and Omega. You joined a new label, Nasrul Recordings. Does being on a label change things for Cruentus? It definitely does in in a lot of ways. On one hand, we really wanted to go on a label. I felt like personally, and Jess can speak for himself, but I felt personally that being on a label gives you some more credibility. It's really hard to promote your own music. And um, so, yeah, we put it out there to see if there were any labels that wanted to pick us up and Nasrol was interested, and so we decided to move down that direction. I also wanted to focus more on the music and just creating the music and spending the time on making sure it's that side of things is covered and and uh, letting the label do the behind the scenes work of um, promotion and distribution and all that. Yeah, I think it's uh, it's definitely different. I think. I could compare it to something else that was a first for us with this album, which is uh, working with a producer. When you work with a producer for the first time, you ha- really have to wrap your head around the fact that some outsider that doesn't know your music, doesn't know where it comes from, doesn't know what you were thinking when you wrote the song, they're going to come in and point their finger at everything they think is wrong and tell you to change it, you know? <laughs> and you got to be okay with that because that's the reason you bring them in, you know? You want yeah. the outside perspective. So you got to kind of surrender a lot of control that way. Um, and I mean, the producer that we worked with, she was great. We're all really happy with the results. But working with the label is kind of the same thing. It's hard in some ways because uh, you have to take your music, say, here, this belongs to you now. Do what you want with it and then let them do their thing, which is tough. But at the same time, uh, it, it is nice. You know, we can, we can focus more on the music. We can do our own thing. Being a control freak myself, uh, <laughs> it's hard to, you know, relinquish control to other people. But um it's getting done you know the music's going to be put out there and it's we haven't really had to do much on that front so it's it's good i'm tyler and i'm jess of cruentus and you've got the antidote with dave hawkins
I said it during the interview and I'll say it again. That's a killer title track. Alpha and Omega from Cruentis. Tonight's episode hasn't meant to be a battle of the band. But what has been cool is to be able to meet with two bands that are both death metal, but each have a style that's very different from each other. And don't worry about picking your favorite, because make it easy on yourself and go and get both of the releases on Bandcamp. Something you haven't heard tonight is the complete interviews from Outrage AD and Cruentis, but you can get those on theantidoteradio.com. Next time on The Antidote, I speak with a guy who's a huge deal in the punk scene, Wiley Willis of Two Minute Minor. So be sure to tune in as we premiere the band's sophomore release, Blood on Our Front Stoop. To finish up, here's more from Cruentis and the song All Hail Nothing. And we'll see you again next time on The Antidote. The title track from Alpha and Omega is superb. Obviously, the song name comes from describing Christ and is out of the book of Revelation. Is the Bible your source for all of your lyrics? Um, no, not all, I wouldn't say. Uh, not directly, at least. Um, I think uh, Tyler can speak more on this when I've said this, because I think he writes more straight from the Bible. I, I tend to write either I'll be inspired by a verse and I'll kind of paraphrase it or something like that. I personally rarely will take something out of scripture and make that the lyrics. Um, I tend to write more of a personal experience uh, from my life, kind of what's going on. So I would say with the way I write lyrics, I don't even necessarily go into it with like a, I'm writing a Christian song, so I need to have these things in the lyrics. It's just that I live my life as a Christian, then I write songs about stuff that happens in my life that just kind of naturally happens, you know? I think it helps uh, make it a bit more real and emotional, I guess. With my writing and the songs that I spend more kind of of my writing on, I'd say Alpha and Omega and also um, The Blood That Divides, those two songs are probably the most grounded in actual written scripture. I can't actually think of any other songs that have word-for-word scripture, and I could be wrong. I tend to write all my lyrics very firmly supported by scripture and i will read a lot of scripture when i am writing and i'll be inspired by it but a lot of my lyrics i'm writing from my personal perspective or from the perspective of a a character with a lot of the songs on alpha and omega are written from the perspective of a character who's dealing with different things and um i think that comes through in the lyrics well i'd also like to get into one of the shorter tracks from alpha and omega All Hail Nothing. It talks about the God of Dung. You've got to explain that. (laughs) Um, Well, I I wrote the lyrics to All Hail Nothing. Um, The God of Dung, that is... Someone told me this. I didn't fact check, so it could be completely (laughs) not true. But I don't care. It sounded cool, so I used it in the song. Apparently, uh, the God of Dung is a rough translation of the name Beelzebub, which is one of the Bible's names for Satan. So I just thought that was cool. It's like, uh, I don't know, it's a nice insult. Um, <laughs> I I thought it was a good contrast to the song Alpha and Omega. Basically, Alpha and Omega is about God and how awesome he is and how scary and powerful and everything. And then, then there's Satan on the other side. You know, he's the god of dung. He's nothing really. So it's like, oh, here comes the king, you know, all hail, nothing. It's, it's, it's just kind of a, a satirical mocking kind of song, I guess. 
I looked up your hometown of Quinnell on Wikipedia. It has a list of notable residents, and all of them are hockey players. So I got to know, is Alpha and Omega going to put Cruentis on the notable residents list? (laughs) (laughs) I certainly hope so. (laughs) What do you think it will take to make you guys really stand out in the metal scene? I mean, obviously the music caliber is there, but how do you get noticed? That's a good question. I think, um, you know, we've struggled from the beginning because of our location primarily. And secondly, because of, uh, you know, our genre and with the lyrics being Christian, it's very difficult to keep a full lineup together. We've had drummers, but, you know, we need a solid drummer to join our, our ranks so that we can play shows more often and uh, travel I think playing live music really gets you out there. People want to see you play. Hmm. The more we can do that, the better. Thanks so much for coming on The Antidote, guys, and best of luck with Alpha and Omega. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you very much for having us. 